eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Latart on Location. I'm your host, Steve Latart, and today a cool location, Dawsonville, Georgia, the Dawsonville Pool Hall. And if you come to Dawsonville, I think there's only two people you're allowed to talk to, and it's either Bill Elliott or Chase Elliott today. Chase Elliott. Chase, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, man. No, thanks for coming here. I'm usually going to Charlotte for you guys. So anyway, this is cool. I you for coming down. I've heard so much about it. I think first we have to let's get right to the news at hand, right? Congratulations. Thank Big you. win. Talladega yeah. has to – listen – Wins fix the whole world. It has to feel good to win. Yeah, it definitely feels good. Uh, you know, obviously want to do it as often as possible. Absolutely. But hey, you know, Sunday was a good one, and, and things uh, – we were talking about it before we got started. Things really just kind of worked out. And right. To win those races, they kind of have to. So it was a good day for it. So the on-track stuff will be, you know, analyzed by everybody on the side. I, I want to talk about the non-track stuff. And what I mean is – so Talladega is, is special in my heart. Not just – I mean, not really the racing. I'm not a huge restrictor plate fan, but – Man, the place, right? It's a party. It's an atmosphere. It is, it's yeah, packed. for sure. When you got done doing the burnout and you took your helmet off to start finish line, were you surprised? I mean, that was a popular win. It, it was, felt like a hometown win. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I've told a lot of people this. You know, just it's always – Talladega has always kind of felt a little bit like a home race for me because I have a lot of friends and family who want to come over there because it's close. Um, but the fans after the race, I mean, in the stands, I've never felt uh, – I've never felt that connected with a crowd before ever. And – when I got fired up, they got fired up. When I was standing up, you know, they were obviously standing up, I think, there for the last little bit. But, um, you know, when when you can just have a crowd and be one with that crowd like that is something I've never experienced in my career before. Um, may not ever experience it ever again, so going to definitely enjoy that. And, you know, that that's just a moment you wish you could freeze and – Unfortunately, you can't. They go by too quick. They but do. It happens. They do. We're going to circle back to your popularity. I've had some experience up in the booth for your win at Watkins Glen. Some places I remember the crowd was crazy. But real quick, I want to talk about where we're at. So the pool hall. It, yeah. It, so I, you know, I maybe was too young. I mean, I knew your dad when he drove, and I kind. But there was no social media. There was not quite the coverage there is today. But then this place kind of grew. This in infamy that this place existed. That they supported the Elliots. Like, exp- how how did it yeah. become? Like, what do you know of this place? What do you remember? Like, yeah. how did this become the Elliott stronghold? Well, I think, I think a lot of it starts with Gordon Perkle. He owns the place. Okay. And, um, you know, he, he was obviously around, lived around here, very familiar with my family, my, my dad, my two uncles, my grandfather has, has lived here his whole life as well. So that's really where it started was with him. And I think his support of their racing and – and, you know, all the stuff on the wall. I was going to say, I mean, walking that, around here is spectacular. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but just uh, I, their success, I think, in the 80s and just how much pride I think everybody around here took in that. And a lot of people worked at the shop that lived around here. I mean, obviously, it's not a big town, yeah, right? right? And it was right. even smaller then. And they were running a cup. because yeah, op- I forget. The cup shop was here. It was here. Yeah. So they, they were running a cup operation about five miles from here, you know, in 19... 19- 88, you know, which is crazy to think about, you know, so I just think it was such a big deal at the time, and and there was just so much going on that 
you know, revolved around that race team that um, anybody in town knew about it and was going to was going to be behind it. Well, I love it. Uh, uh, driving in today to talk to you, it wasn't just the pool hall. I love the small town atmosphere. There was congratulations to you kind of all over town. I love the fact that a town gets behind kind of one of their own. I think that's cool. But you mentioned your dad and back in the 80s. So there, there's these pictures that kind of circulate of you famously as a child. So, you know, why we know each other. So my dad in New England built race cars for the Oxford 250 and all that. And there are these pictures of me at the Oxford 250, and I don't remember. Yeah. Right? I was too little. So, so for you, we've seen the pictures. I think it's Indianapolis, all the famous ones. Yeah. When, when are your first memories of being I, at the racetrack with your dad? Yeah. So uh, that it, obviously they're scattered, right? right? Yeah, at, right. At that age, they're very scattered. But when you're a kid, I think you recognize big moments, and obviously you can tell when something's special. So um, I do have a couple memories of um, of – Indianapolis when he won the Brickyard because I just remember being just absolutely amazed by the you know when you went there they used to take the cars up on this lift gate thing and yeah. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever and yeah. I remember that as a kid. The elevated victory lane. Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember him blowing a tire at Homestead um, on the last I lap. That last corner. Yeah and uh, I think Labon Bobby Labonte beat him. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. Led Mike Ford. I want to say was the crew chief. Yeah, Blue. Mike, yeah. Mike Ford was the crew chief through both of both those of years them, right. that they had had a lot of success. Um, and then the last one I, I remember, uh, I remember him winning his last race. Um, a couple things about that I remember he beat Jimmy, uh, which was pretty cool because Jimmy was getting started. I think he was a rookie and he was obviously killing it. You know, came in and was having all the success. And I remember it, all the hype around him. And then uh, just remember him beating him that yeah. day. You know, you could kinda, beat Jimmy any day. Kinda, it was a good day. Uh, take, taking it to the young guys. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then Victory Lane, it was like a popcorn sponsor of some sort. And oh, they yeah. had popcorn in just feet. I mean, it was like the car, and it Man, was, was just was in Rockingham popcorn. Or something? I remember it was like in Rockingham, the, yes. The Pop Secret 400. Yes. I, like, I remember. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, that and was, that was I remember eating the pots. Like, hey, I remember, like, I think I asked somebody, can I eat popcorn? Like, yeah, I eat popcorn. You know, it's good. So I'm sitting in the victory line eating the popcorn, you know. That's outstanding. So so those those pictures, as I mentioned, they're everywhere. But then, So that is, you know, the son of a race car driver. So how about you as a race car driver? Like, where, when, what did you start driving? Where did it all start? Yeah, it started close to here. So um, always kind of lived when – we, when we lived in Georgia, we've always lived around, around North Georgia. So mm -hmm. uh, when I was born – uh, between Dawsonville, Blairsville, and then uh, we spent a couple of years out in Colorado. So always been around here, those minus those two years, right. but it's been kind of centered around this area. And all the racing has always been centered around here because of the race shop being up the road. You know, it makes too much sense not to utilize uh, that facility and whatnot that mm -hmm. they've had for so long. So, um, yeah, trying to think. Blue Ridge Mini Speedway was the first place I ran a race. It was a dirt go-kart uh, okay. place. I started yep. racing that. We ran some there. Uh, another town called Chatsworth up um, up north of here. Is what age are we talking well, when you say like dirt? Like eight, seven, okay. eight. All right. Um, and then after that, we uh, dad had w was I guess he had just quit racing full time or he was quitting racing full time all around that time and then that was when he made the decision he wanted to move to Colorado. Uh, that was always a, a favorite vacation spot of his so the way it kind of worked out Finally had his schedule yeah, back. Yeah, he had yeah. his schedule back, and he could do what he wanted, so that was where he wanted to live. Obviously, I had no say in that, which is fine, <laughs> yep. um, as I shouldn't as a 
eight-year-old. Yeah. So Could you tell my 15-year-old? Um, because he thinks he's in charge of everything. Off we went. So. <laughs> yeah. Off we went, and it was honestly a lot of fun. I think at the time I was a little skeptical of it. You know, as, as a kid, you grow up and you have friends, right. and I think you're afraid to leave them. Um, but, you know, made great friends out there. I still talk to to this day and was able to go and be outdoors and snowboard and skateboard and ride dirt bikes and anything outdoors, it was the place to do it. So uh, appreciative of those years. Got to race some shifter carts out there when I was there, right. shifter and tag go-karts, much like um, you know, you see up at uh, up in Mooresville yeah, at the go-kart at the go yep. track. Yep. So uh, things very similar to that. So I ran a couple years of that stuff when we lived there, and it kind of got to the point where um, I think Dad was, was still traveling around a good bit at the time. I think there was a few things that weighed in. I think that was one of them. Uh, there was really nothing else to race beyond go-karts out there. Right. It wasn't a very race-oriented area. Yeah. So it kind of got to the point where if I was going to do any more racing, we had to get back east, and it only made sense to get close to here and get close to the race shop and get somewhere where we could do some racing. And that was really kind of where I feel like it really all started. Um, things got a little more serious, started racing legend cars, and then when the late model days approached, that was when things really began and, and – um, was able to have some success, and that kind of led to James Finch, and James Finch led to Mr. Hendrick, and yep. here we are. So uh, you mentioned late model days. I always try to do some research, and this gem came up. Yep. The 2009 Sports Illustrated article. Yeah, this yeah. This is a 13-year-old Chase Elliott. That's but, me. But I tell you, what, what's, what fascinated me was an article about, I want to say, 10 or 15 up-and-coming teenagers. And, and I don't, we just talked about this. You weren't aware. It was you, yep. Jordan Spieth. Did not know that. Who had pretty solid career I think, I think as well. I done all right. Yep, yeah, right. And if uh, Lexi Thompson, who's a big LPGA player, those three names jumped right off the page right away. So 13, this young man, a late model in the background, this was what, late model stock? What were you driving? Yeah, that there? was a straight rear late model. Just a, It was a crate. It was a pro late model mm-hmm. is what that was. Um, but, yeah, that's crazy. I, honestly, I, I remember this article, and right. I remember the photo. Like I, right. rec- I recognize the photo, but I did not know that those – you know, that Jordan that's was crazy. in there and stuff. That's very cool. It, yeah. I, I, it, it, I guess, I don't know. Like, in my mind, people like you, Jordan Spieth, when you become these stars, we forget of your age. I don't know if that's fair or unfair. Like, I don't know, and I'm not the one to judge, but you could be 30, right? Like, yeah. like just because your resume, your success, your maturity on the racetrack, much like his on the golf course. So I thought that gem, cool. I brought that. Yeah, was, uh, glad you did. Yeah, oh, yeah. So – we talk late models. I, so I, when I was a kid, I don't enjoy photo shoots much more now than I did then. I was going to say, because that's a pretty big smile you but got there. It looks I like a frown. I absolutely hated taking <laughs> pictures. And I know I still don't like it, and I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan. Um, I don't have a lot of patience. So, And my mom, uh, she was a photographer for many years. That was how right. I, her and my dad met. And um, so she was always in charge of taking the photos. And, I mean, we would butt I was going to say, that makes it even worse. So bad. <laughs> Taking pictures, so yeah, that was one of those days. That's I mean, I, I think a Christmas card's hard to take yeah, with my kids. No, you got to do you could, promo shoots. You have no idea. <laughs> That's outstanding. We're gonna have, might have to have a round <laughs> two just to go into that. I like that though. Mom photographer. So late mom. So listen, I, I love racing. I grew up in the Northeast though, Oxford two fifty, right? So when I was looking you up, I knew you had won a lot of late model stuff, but I call this the Grand Slam, All American four hundred in Nashville, Snowball Derby, a couple yep. times. The World Crown 300 at Gresham and the Winchester 400. You won all four. I like, you know, the golf. I'm a golf guy, right? That yeah. is the grand slam in my mind of late model racing. Yeah. And what I love is not only have you won it, but I follow you on social media now. There was some motor debate back then. I see you chirp in in the late model world 
So you just use, I mean, still yeah. pretty plugged in to that I world. Still, I, I still enjoy it. Still enjoy watching it. Would love to maybe go and, and find a race to compete in. It's kind of hard to. Um, but, yeah, th- those were, to me, the years that shaped all of this stuff, you know. And I think anything prior to that was kind of just getting started. And and uh, you're certainly learning along the way. Right. And, and, and technically it started before then. But just those, those few years from, like, 2009 to 2000 and, you know, 11, like those 11, 12, mm-hmm. th- those few years of, of late model racing were So uh, I, I, w- I make really sure I get big. my math right. So 2009, you're talking 13, 14, 15. Yeah. And when you unload at any of those I just listed, y- you know, I don't want the, the – so obviously the race fan's going to know. But for the non-race fan that listens to this, you know, this isn't uh, basketball or baseball where it's age divisions, right? right it's not yeah. under 15 age divisions. No, no. When you unload at the All-American 400 as a 14-year-old kid – no one cares that you're a 14 year old kid, right? No, I mean, they race you like a exactly. like a grown man. It's it's full which, field. Which I love that, and I think that also kind of made me uh, grow up quick, right? You know, in right. those moments, and and you know, I look back and I'm thankful that you know we went. The, I remember the first night I went to Pensacola, I got my ass handed to me. Augie Grill and Bubba Pollard came around and lapped me with oh, like that's five two laps big names. to go. Yeah, right. And uh, I was thinking, dang, I've got a long ways to go. <laughs> like these boys are. Absolutely, uh, way, way, way ahead of me. Um, so I appreciate nights like that, and and I absolutely I love staying plugged in. I feel like that, um, you know, those few years really gave me the opportunity to be where I'm at because that put me in in front of the right people. And when I mean the right people, I mean James and and him right, living right. in in uh, you know down in Panama City, and he was you know a big fan of the Snowball Derby, and that was really why I was even uh, in the conversation to Mr. Hendricks. So. I think those those few years were were extremely important, and and the success of those couple years were, uh, you know, was pretty lucky. I had a few good ones. Well, you mentioned James Finch, so for those of those who don't know, Xfinity racer had some Cup cars. He's had stuff all over the time. Uh, construction guy down on the Panhandle of Florida. He's always at the Snowball Derby. That's where it is. I think everybody knows the Hendrick years, right? Yeah. Because, but but just connect the dots, right? How yeah. does a guy go? I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Your dad's famous, Hall of Famer. You can drive. You're winning the right stuff. But that doesn't really guarantee anything. How did the dots get connected where you ended up on Mr. Hendricks' radar? Because yeah. I remember I worked there, and when you yeah, first showed thinking, up, oh, I was geez, like, this I was like he's kidding? little. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, because how and old are you now? 23. You should have, yeah. So I was you're 16 years younger than me. I mean, you were yeah. a young kid at the time. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure all you guys were like, what the hell is this guy doing? Which, you know, I get it. I wanted to earn my place too. Right. And, and I think as much as you guys were uncomfortable with me being around, I was probably in the same boat and right. thinking that what am I, I didn't, doing here? <laughs> thinking that I didn't belong. And and I really probably didn't either. Just from the standpoint of, I wanted to earn my place there, and I didn't want to be, um, I, I didn't want to be pushed upon people who didn't want me around. You know, so I was always really careful in those situations, and and I like to. When I go somewhere, or I do something, or if I'm racing for somebody, I want to feel like I earned that. Right. I don't want to. I don't want it to be like it was handed to me, you know. So one thing about that place, I can promise you, is it's built on winning. They would tell you if they didn't like. Like that, it, that it, it's a true. great place to grow up because there's not a lot of sugarcoating, right? If you can't get it done on Saturday or Sunday, well, nice yeah. to know you, right? right? Yeah, definitely, definitely a, a winning culture um, that the boss likes, which is right. a good thing. That's why he's. That's why he's been good, but. Yeah, just I guess to connect the dots to your question, um, you know, those few years and the reason I bring up James, I, you know, I forget. I did another interview a second ago. I told this story. I thought I was telling it oh, to yeah, you. Oh, so, yeah, right. All right. So we were uh, started racing uh, in Pensacola a good bit, obviously big super late model world area, kind of around the southeast. 
um, and and James Finch, who lives in Panama City. I think he had a car, sponsored a car down there. So and he like you know loves the snowball derby, loves Pensacola, loves going over there and racing. Um, so was in front of him a lot. And um, James doesn't like that. Well, James no. doesn't like. Oh, to get I don't. Beat. I don't mean in front of him. I mean. Oh, okay. I you mean, mean like him in the watching. crowd, him watching. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't like his stuff to get beat. So, anyways, so yeah, we're there, and and um, you know, I didn't know this, but I, apparently he was taking note or taking yeah. notice of of some of the good runs we had at the point in time, and uh, he meant you know mentioned something to Mr. Hendrick, and when he did, I think Mr. Hendrick kind of thought about it and yeah. and and felt like he might want to help and. Yeah, he gave Dad a call one day, and and Dad and I flew to uh, flew to Charlotte one afternoon after school. Sat down, uh, the boss picked us up from the airport personally, drove us over to the shop, toured us around his facility, sat down in his office, and he said, "Look, he's like, I don't really know what's next. You know, I think right. I was like 15." Um, <laughs> and, and he's like, "Look, I don't really know what's next or what what the right move is." He said, "But I want to help." And you know, I, I can't, you know, there's no promise. Who, who knows where this is going to go, but he's, I just want to help. And I think that, um, you know, I think we could, then we could make something work. So that was really where everything kind of started. And, um, and nothing was ever really promised. He just wanted to help. And, and he expressed that and really opened the door for everything else after that to, to transpire. And obviously very lucky he did. Well, that brings me, so this is a question that I ask everyone who is fortunate enough to be a professional athlete. When did, Chase Elliott wake up and say, I'm going to be – like, I don't like driving race cars. I'm going to be a race car driver. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm going to do for a living. I, To me, the the I go back to the, the short track and the late model years. I mean, those were some special years that, that things were going – they were going pretty good. Um, had some great help. Ricky Turner, I feel like, owes a lot of credit for that. He's a big uh, – as, you know, I feel like, it wasn't for him and there's a lot of other guys as well right. but I felt like he was a big uh, a big a big piece of running good at the right time and and having success at Pensacola and and that was ultimately you know where where James was and where all that stuff stemmed from so it's gonna it, be good on the big stages it, right yes. I mean, you know and um you know all that stuff's just just special but I, I do think those years I look back on and look things are getting pretty serious there was those aren't cheap years. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, we're not so, go kart racing no, anymore. No, you're not right. go kart racing right. anymore. So, and it's tough to do sometimes as a 13, 14, 15 year mm-hmm. old or whatever. But um, you kind of have to step back and realize, hey, look, this is a serious operation, and if we're going to do it, we need to do it right. And I think that the success we were having kind of gave me some confidence, and hey, maybe I can go do this and do an okay job at it. And uh, yeah, everything kind of fell in, and certainly still feel like I have a long ways to go, but made okay. it this far, so it's been good. Well, that begs the question, then, if you weren't a race car driver, like, were, did you ever get old enough to consider doing something else? I mean, you're talking yeah. so young. Did you ever I have really, a dream? Or yeah, did, no? I, I really didn't. I mean, right. this was it was always my dream, and I was never really old enough to You were never forced to have to any, yeah, do anything <laughs> right. else. So, That's um, awesome. Yeah, you know, I enjoy flying, maybe something in aviation yeah, right, or something like right. that. We're going to get into that for sure. Junior Motorsports, rookie champion. Yep. So I was the crew chief for Dale Jr. in that race at Texas in April. I thought we had it one, running the top with like 25 to go. Dale's so good up top, man. We're killing, I don't know if killing everybody's fair. We have four or five second lead. Yellow comes out, pit cycle. Next thing I know, here you go, gone off the restart. Yeah. Did you, I mean, you win your first race and the championship. I mean, that's a magical yeah, year. It, it was a big year, and I feel like that was um, certainly the year that I felt like 
earned uh, the the spot in the 24 car. I felt like just the way all that aligned could not have been any better. W with Jeff, you know, wanting to be done when he was wanting to be done, that year going as good as it did, though kind of a decision had to be made right. somewhere right in there for because I'm, uh, you know, I think Jeff knew what he was doing. I think Mr. Hendrick knew. Uh, that he was probably a year or two from being done, and just the way that year went, man, it was um, really special, and just the timing couldn't have worked out any better. But that was a big night. Remember that night? Y'all were better than us in the long run. I was a little too loose to be good in the long run, and you guys were were good, and he had the top rolling. But, yeah, the restart worked out well, and we'll take it. I mean, it I'll be honest. So when I, when I talk to people and I kind of go back, Man, I want to say you've been doing this 20 years, or that's 2014. That's five years ago. That's I mean, crazy. It, it's been it's a, even a, been that long, yeah. right? It's crazy how how. I mean, I, I have lost track with just you. I mean, you won at the cup level. You're your most popular driver. So many things. It's hard to believe in a short short span. Yeah, and just you know, it's just crazy too to sit back and think about like you're talking about the short track days. I mean, 2009 was 10 years ago. I mean, which is insane to think about. You know, yeah, I am feeling old. And. um yeah, it really is weird to, you know, I mean, this would be my fourth year in Cup. I mean, just all this stuff goes by wow. so fast. And as you know, uh, when you travel every week and you're on the road on Thursdays, travel home on Sundays, I mean, the weeks go by so oh, fast. It's a blur. And the years go by so fast. And it's and I'm 23. I couldn't imagine, you know, what it, what it would be like in another 10 years right. or, or whatever. But, man, that's what I mentioned earlier, too. You know, it's like you want to freeze these moments and enjoy them because they go by so fast. You go to victory lane and everybody's throwing hats at you. want to take pictures. I'm like, listen, y'all settle down. Like, let's <laughs> right. enjoy this. Why are we in a big you hurry? Know, why are we in a hurry? Right. You know, I, don't, I don't get it sometimes. Well, we have a bunch of personal stuff I want to get into after this, but I kind of want to close out some of the racing stuff, talking to Chase Elliott here at the Dawsonville Pool Hall. I want to talk car numbers. It's as simple as that, right? You not only got a cup ride, um, so for those who don't know, I was fortunate enough to sweep the floor for Jeff Gordon in 1995. Went full-time in 96, became his crew chief in 2005. I owe, I'm only talking to you here today because Jeff Gordon and Ray Abraham gave some silly kid from Maine a chance to sweep the floors. And then somehow Jeff thought I could be his crew chief, which I appreciate. I'm <laughs> not sure he got my best years. So I owe everything to that 24 car. That's where it all started. A number that, you know, it's not like the three or the nine. Like, no one had – that number had never been famous until yeah. Jeff was in it. Exactly. And then you were the guy to try to fill those shoes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if William Byron knows this, but he owes you a debt of gratitude because he didn't have to be the first guy to <laughs> he follow. Had to be the next one in. But, but yeah. I mean, what was it like? like yeah. I mean, already going to the Cup Series and now taking that ride. Yeah. It, you know, I, I said it then and I'll say it now. I honestly didn't put a lot of thought into it. The number thing – That makes you a great athlete, by the way. Did not really uh, – it didn't bother me. It didn't. Mm -hmm. it, I don't think it ever really felt like home. Like it, I, I didn't. Like, like you were I, driving his stuff. Well, no. Like I, I didn't start racing go karts and be one. You know, I didn't want to be number twenty four. I wanted right. to be number nine. So yep. of course, when it's not your favorite number, it's like oh, you know, all just good. won Xfinity championship in the nine. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So it, it didn't feel like home from that standpoint. But I didn't like. It's not something that I that concerned me. You know. I right. mean, like it doesn't make it go any faster or slower. What's on the side of the car. You know. So that was kind of my big thing in my head. I'm like, well. It is what it is. Let's just go try to do good. Well, know? then perhaps that means the next transition must have meant way more. I mean, to, Absolutely. to put the nine on the door. I mean, we're here, right? There's, yeah. a, there's the Coors yeah. 9 uh, up there on the wall. Absolutely. Um, that's what I pick, right? I picture yeah. two, what is it, 212. I mean, that's what I see. I see your dad running. Point, point 0.809. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So then you get the chance to bring the nine with your name and then Elliot on the door to the yeah. Cup Series. To me, it just feels right. And I, 
I don't know what it seems like to you, but like me walking out to the grid to get in the car, like that's my like, that's my car. It's funny. So your yeah. number transition was easier for me. Like, because, gotcha. you know, as, as drivers move around, it sounds awful. I put the driver in the wrong number, misspeak. But you're the one that I'm, I, I don't know, I can easily put you in the nine yeah. every time. Well, that's how I feel, and I feel like that's how everyone feels about it, too. It just feels right. And anybody who's followed my racing career, I've always been that number, right. too. So it makes sense. And I'm not taking anything away from my first couple years. I mean, I, I feel, I feel it's an, an honor to drive the 24, and, and I wish, I really just looking back on it, I really wish we could have won a race in it uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be the, you know, at the time. I uh, hope William can add his name mm -hmm. to to Jeff's uh, legacy at some point. But I really wanted to be the you know another person yeah, to right. win in that car because he's the only one that has. And I thought that'd be a cool thing to do. Um, I say that it was also a very special moment to win my first race in the nine. So right. it's like everything kind of has a has two sides to it, and and uh, it all kind of happened for a reason, I guess. Looking back on it, well, it has a, a quick career to your point, but a lot to go. Um, that, I mean, that's enough about racing and your career. Fair. I, I want to get into the other stuff. So this is one that – so I'm a pet – this is my pet peeve. I don't know why. It's probably unfair. So I'm a Red Sox fan. I know you don't like that, the Braves guy. Yeah, yeah. But if I go to a Red Sox and Yankees game and the pitcher from the Yankees is chatting it up with the Red Sox lineup, I'm not happy. I'm fine if they're buddies. I'm fine if they're in business together. But I paid a ticket, and for this moment – You want I them want to hate them. each other. Yes. Yeah. So I say that because the garage area, you have to have friends. You see each other all the time. So I'm at the track. I see you, uh, Blaney. That's the one I see the most, out there throwing the football. But when I go from the bus lot to the booth and I look down on the racetrack, I can't tell your friends at all. Yeah. And I love that because I can't say that about everyone in the garage. I feel that everyone doesn't race everybody the same way. It almost looks like y'all race each other harder at times, <laughs> yeah. to be quite honest. So it, it just explain, first of all, how did you and Blaney, like, like how did this all work? How did you become such good buddies? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess to state the obvious a little bit, you know, he, his dad obviously raced, my dad raced. So we grew up around the racetrack a lot, but I honestly didn't know him when I was real little. Like, I don't remember hanging out with him right. in the bus lot as a kid. Um, I didn't really meet or start hanging out with Ryan until he and I were racing late models together. We we spent some time. Because uh, you're the same age, similar age, right? He's a couple years older than me, okay. but uh, we were racing late models yep. at a similar yep. time, and, and I remember going to a couple of events, and he and I kind of ran to each other, whatever, and kind of hit it off, became friends. Uh, so I was probably 12, thir 13, I guess, at the yep. time. Right. So he would have been 15. And, um, yeah, we we raced against each other some. Didn't see him a ton, um, we ran some different series. I feel like he ran, you know, some series around North Carolina. Yeah, right. I ran more of the stuff in Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. Um, and, and I didn't see him a ton. But anyways, yeah, I kind of started there. And, and after that, always kind of stayed connected with each other along our paths. And, uh, you know, when you become good friends with somebody, and then for us to kind of make our way to what is the highest level of, of what we were trying to achieve, you know, racing in the Cup Series, um, it's pretty neat, and you can't always share that with all your friends. So, yeah, he and I have been, been good buddies for a long time. And then, uh, yeah, now I feel like, you know, look, there's days where he's mad at me and there's days where I'm mad at him or, or whatever, you know, on the track. But I think, you know, not even – I say deep down, but really not even that deep down. Like, I get it, you know, and I think he does too. And I've always appreciated that about his friendship because, like, he and I can – you know, get into it on the track. I could be cussing him on the radio. He'd be cussing me, and we won't say a word about it, you right, know, right. afterwards. That's what I was going to ask. Do you have and to? And I think that's kind of has. You just know. I mean, you both know when you put yeah. the helmet on, that's what you do. I think that's just kind of the way it has to be. And, um, 
You well, know? I applaud it. Look, so. as a race fan, as an analyst, um, I, like I said, I applaud it. From the booth, I would have no idea. Yeah, like I said, good. sometimes I think you guys race each other. That means we're doing our jobs. Yeah, no, so. and you do a great job. I got to know the helmet story. So I was something the other day on social media. It might have been at his house and your helmet. So you yeah. guys exchanged first win we helmets? We did, yeah. So did you get his? I got his. Okay. I got his. sure it was a two-way he, change. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I got his. He got mine, which is pretty cool. Um, again, you know, to grow up with a good friend and have a good buddy and, you know, kind of follow the roads and the roads lead to cup for both of us mm -hmm. and to have both won a race and cup I think is really cool. So he had actually already won at this point in time. And he was want he was lobbying. He wanted my 2014 championship helmet. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. I was like, how about your first win helmet? And he was like, eh, I don't know about that either. And I was like, well, how about this? How about if I ever win a race? Which at the point in time it wasn't looking good. Um, but I was like, if I ever win a cup race, we should we should swap. That's even, right? They're same yeah. value, same. And he was like, all right, I'll do that. So we, um, yeah, we we did it, and it, luckily the day came. And we uh, we could swap, so we did, and turned out to be a really cool deal. I, I'm uh, proud to proud to have that one. That's neat. I, well, I think it's cool, and I think I mean not only are you guys buddies, but your ages help in the world of social media. Your vacations, whether you get invited yeah. or not, is yeah. a whole another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've had some honestly, we've had some great times, and and some of our uh, some of our trips traveling the world, <laughs> they're uh, second to none. So that we'll is look forward to more of those. So. So I want to start with, we're here in Dawsonville. Man, you are arguably the most popular race car driver in the U.S., if not all in North America. How does a guy that popular decide to reside here in rural Georgia, right? I mean, yeah. you literally, you have the means to kind of live everywhere, anywhere you'd want. How is this place home even still to this yeah. day? Well, I just think, uh, honestly, much like I've said before, built by the foundation of my family and dad and kind of... Um, so it's just comfortable. It's comfortable, and it, it feels like home. I, I really like North Georgia. I feel like in a lot of, you know, you take take family history out of it. Yeah, right, right. It's convenient. You're kind of centered up in the southeast. You're close to the Atlanta airport. You travel about anywhere in the world from the Atlanta airport, um, about an hour from Atlanta. So, But the good news is you're far enough away where you can kind of do your own thing. It's, right. It, you're right here at the base of the mountains. The Appalachian Trail starts just uh, just north of here which is kind of cool, and it's a beautiful area. So you take all those things, it's really nice. Um, and then to kind of add the rest of it in, I guess just the my dad's passion for aviation, you know, kind of sparked my passion for it and, and allowed me to get flying. And I think that's really what allows me to live here. I can kind of get back and forth and do what I need to do. And obviously I still have a lot of obligations in North Carolina, and that's where, that's where HMS is located. Right, so. Right. You're never going to get out of, of having to be there a lot when everything is centered up there. But um, luckily, I didn't have to go up there today, so I appreciate you coming down <laughs> hey, here listen. and uh, got to enjoy a, a nice Monday, Tuesday at the house. Oh, that's always good. So you kind of answered my question, how you get into aviation. But, I mean, I, I want to know the nitty-gritty. Like, so you have a – I mean, you live here. There's an airfield kind of near where you live. You can fly out of there. So that all kind of makes sense to me. But my brain cramps a little bit on Sunday night. So you get done driving and then fly your cell phone? Yeah, yeah. Now, do yeah. you have to cope? Like, how, like, how does the fundamentals of all that work? You just yeah, you just, well, it depends on the week, right? So, like, sometimes, like, Dad will travel with me or um, get somebody to ride with me if I don't think I'm going to feel good or something after the race. But, uh, yeah, some weeks you just go. And, I mean, a lot of the guys have, have done this, too. Yeah, absolutely, I think, yeah. Uh, the last, I mean, Carl, you know, did, yep. did it every week, you know, so – yeah, it's uh, it's works out. Deep down, out. I'm jealous. 
Because as much fun as it is down here talking to you, that four-hour I'm just not like I'm, I'm, I am as impatient as you. You want to like be there. Four hours in a car. I'm like, yeah. man, you just jump the plane and get there. So Yeah, um, and it's not that easy. You know, it's not right. just a matter of jumping That's in and going. That's why I don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but you know, anything that runs, you know, there's things that have to be done to them right. and everything else. But anyways, yeah, get you know, get down with the race and, and uh, you know, kind of look through what your trip ahead looks like. You try to get a, a good idea what's going on with the weather and then um, – then, you know, if you can, get on the road. And if not, wait some weather out or do whatever you got to do. So the good thing is, like, when Dad's not there um, after the race, you know, I'll, I'll call him. He's been watching the weather for me throughout the race. Mm-hmm. So he and I will kind of brief the weather a little bit and talk about that. And then uh, I'll get a gander at it for sure before I leave. And then, uh, yeah, off we go. So you talk about your dad and how he gives you a little bit of heads up on the weather. How about behind the wheel? You know, to have such a famous dad, he – from the public view, mm-hmm. has always been in the shadows, right? Never is he up there really saying anything, right? But but there has to be points along your career where you pick up the phone and be like, do you see anything? I mean, this is an exhausting job. I mean, yeah. as a crew chief, the highs are great. The lows are they, – they empty your – like it, when you are on a losing streak, it's awful. I've been there. So I had people I leaned on, right? Am mm-hmm. I going crazy? Do I belong here? What do I do? Or just how can I do my job better? I mean, you have a family member that yeah. has kind of lived this. For sure, and, and 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 I think his his experience there is nice. But you're right; he's definitely had a laid back laid back approach, and I I appreciate that too because I feel like I've learned, you know, I, I've certainly learned the hard way on on some we things. All have. But if you don't if you don't learn the hard way in some areas, you're never going to learn. And you know, honestly, growing up and being around racing, I've you're very right. I've been very lucky to have great drivers to lean on. Great family members uh, who have been involved in it for a long time. I have, I have, to this day, I have a hard conversation talking. I have a hard time talking about driving and, like, the the like we're talking about such small things right, right, on track. Right. Like You just do it. Like, if Jimmy is kicking my ass at Dover, like, I couldn't go up to him, and he's not – he can't translate the feel he's looking for in his car for me to go replicate it. I honestly think he would tell me right, if, he, right. if he knew how to describe that. But, like, you're talking about such minute things. Like, I don't know that you could ever extract that from someone's right. brain. I think you have to go learn it. You're going to appreciate this. So we were in Dover. This is before you drove at Hendrick in the Cup Series. Might have been 14 the last year when you were in Xfinity, and we get in the debrief, and I'm Dale's crew chief, and Jeff's there. Um, and Alan's Jeff's guy, Jimmy's killing everybody. Yeah. And he goes, take us for a lap. Take us for a lap, Jimmy. Jimmy, oh, I drive down into one, and I'm, I'm going to speed up the story. Basically, I drive around to this point. I get the part throttle, and I look for here, and my car does this, and it compresses, and he takes us for this most colorful, most well-described Beautiful. lap. And he's the best, the like best it's, like it's at unbelievable. describing. Like, I feel like I'm riding with him. Yes, the car. Right. So I look at Dale Jr., and I'm like, hey, man, what do you think? And he goes, I don't even know what damn track he's on. <laughs> like yeah. I, and, and so then I look at Gordon, who's won there a bunch. He was like, "Whoo, I'm glad you said that because I got no idea what he's talking about." Yeah. And, and to it's your crazy. point, like you can't, you cannot extract that, and some no one can describe the feel that they're looking. The the you're talking about such small differences that it takes to be really good or be right. great at a racetrack or win. You can't. I don't know how you could ever describe that to someone. I feel like it's something you have to kind of find. And but you're right, Jimmy is incredible. Anytime, it's funny you say this, anytime we're in one of those debriefs and I'm having a hard time fixing to explain something, I'm like, Jimmy, you go first, and maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll say it. So I'll I pick up off yeah, you. Yeah, so I can describe this better because oh, I'm not funny. very good at it. So we mentioned you live here in North Georgia. You, you're like have become 
it's not just Dawsonville. It's Georgia's own, right? Like Atlanta Braves, big supporters, right? I see you at the games. They treat yeah. you. Chipper Jones. That was really wh- cool. Which I th- what I think is great is, um, you know, whether it's Jimmy Johnson from Southern California, whether it's Tony Stewart from Indianapolis, you know, everybody has – I like that the – even Georgia is different than North Carolina. It's only a couple states, but it's a big difference. And yeah, I love sure. the fact that someone like you is proud of where you're at, live where you're at. And then even more importantly, I love that the people in the area then support you. You become their yeah. favorite. What is I mean, what is that like? With social media, you kind of get to see it yeah, more. Yeah, social we get media to see it more. certainly helps that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, I, as you said, I'm a huge Braves fan. Uh, Chipper is probably my all-time favorite Brave uh, to play. And, and, you know, those are two folks that congratulated me on, on Sunday, which is – Super cool. I mean, I could never ask for anything more than that. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm a big sports fan. So anytime you can, you know, have the support of of a of a favorite team is is cool. And yes, definitely things like that make you feel like even more at home that, right. than it already is. And I take a lot of pride living here. Have the sticker on the car, and I think it's. Um, I think it's cool. One day we'll meet in the World Series. Big Red Sox guy, Braves guy. If that ever happens, that would be very cool. We'll we, go. We need we'll, to go. Oh yeah, that'll be a that'll yeah. be a good time. That's a deal. Um, and listen, only sports guys can understand sports guys. We're all dysfunctional. That's what I understand. Like when sports yeah. are your career, everyone else's hobby is your career. It, it's I don't know. It's weird. It's only other yeah. people that know it. Um, so we we talk about hobbies. You talk about flying. So I follow you on social media. All right, Kevin Coleman, you, you got to give yeah. me this. I mean, it was some crazy looking stuff. So. Yeah, he went for a awesome. ride. He runs what is that? Red Bull Air Race is yeah. that the right? Yeah, he runs Air Race, and uh, you know, they they travel basically around the world. So so Kevin does Air Race, and then he also does uh, air shows, kind of really around the southeast, or not even just southeast, really around the states in general. Travel around and do them. So so uh, I'm out. No way I'm riding in that. Oh man, it's it's good. It's fun. It's fun, and he he's so good at it, you know. And he's much like me racing. He's been doing it forever. So right. like like going to fly is. Uh, such second nature to him but yeah it's uh i have a lot of interest in flying as you know and i think that stuff is really cool my dad was into aerobatics a little bit at one point in time and um i think it's just a cool skill to have it makes you a better pilot you know really understanding that stuff and um for you pilots out there you know it just you you can it's easy to get lazy with your feet in an airplane because you know you get into some heavier airplanes and the rudder is not as not as important um, or you can get by without with being lazy with it, but when you start flying, um, you know stuff that Kevin flies and things, it makes you realize how lazy you are with your feet, and it just gets you better with everything and your hand-eye coordination. I think, and um, just makes you a better pilot if you can if you can get good at it. So when I was doing my research, because I want to know what a guy like you does for hobbies. We mentioned when you when everybody else's hobby is your job, you have to look for something. But your website, Mountain Dew's been a longtime supporter. It's like a Mountain Dew ad. I mean, you're on a snowboard, you're on a wakeboard. You're yeah, on a ma- true, I mean, that's like true. that's like Mountain Dew's brand. Yeah, so so what do you? Do? I mean, what do you do for fun? Yeah, I mean, here lately, I've been flying more than anything. But yeah, in the wintertime, love to snowboard. Obviously, I think that comes from the Colorado time and, and living there. And then uh, we have some beautiful lakes around here, so love being on the water in the summer and wakeboarding and and. Uh, yeah, really between that and racing, that pretty much takes up my I was going to say, I knew you didn't have a lot it. of time, so <laughs> I, I was going to. about covered it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. How about, so we talked about blaming your famous friends, but do you still have friends here? In, I mean, I you do. must have local friends. Yeah, yeah. Have, Does uh, it allow I you to unplug at all? Like, yeah. I, I know they're fans. They should all be fans, right? But yeah. when when things aren't going good, it's one thing sure. to celebrate a win because that's everybody can celebrate a win. Yeah. But when you have the bad weekends, can they just let you unplug, be your buddy, hang out, do whatever yeah, you want? Yeah, absolutely. Lucky to have, have a, a handful of guys that I like to hang out with regularly and 
Um, I have a couple friends who have softball teams and stuff around around here in different towns. So I'll if they need a hand, I'll go play softball with them or whatever Excellent. on Tuesdays, Mondays, we'll whatever. See, so be careful what you say around here. I know Mr. H. He'll be you come in with a twisted ankle. There'll be no you'll be like a padded room. Now, you if you hadn't said that, just hush. No, just no. You're, listen, what I've learned though, as long as there's no precedent, you're okay. Yeah, that's why I don't. You don't see me posting about that. Wise kind of thing. man, yeah. wise man. Social media is to let people into a point. That's right, or so, or not. You know, or, or just wonder. <laughs> or just so. wonder. I like that. So, listen, we appreciate a look into your personal life. I want to circle back before we finish. Hendry Motorsports. I was fortunate enough to be there for the Jeff Gordon era, the hands yep. handing to the Jimmy Johnson era. I'm going to quote Jeff Burton, so my coworker. He said probably 18 months ago that in his mind, and this is an opinionated statement, that that's now your company. You're going to be the lead guy. Jimmy obviously has the resume, but you're the future. William's a great kid, young guy. I think he has a great future. Uh, Alex – I think has a great future, but I mean, you're the guy there. What's the dynamic when you have someone like Jimmy who, listen, he's a seven time champ, right? He's the, he's the winningest guy. doesn't matter the stat. If he's on the racetrack, he's leading the stat. Exactly. And he's your teammate, but you know, your car is fast. I mean, we can, we got you kind of leading that charge. I think you said it right though. And, and you know, those comments to me, I I just, and you're right. It is an opinionated statement that I I don't, I I don't agree with because, I think any time a seven-time champion's in the building, you're always he's always going to be leading the banner, and, and I don't care what anybody says. That's always going to be my opinion as long as he's there. So, um, just I haven't met a cooler guy try. either. You would never know he wants that. No, you're right. You're right. So, I don't know. Try again when he's done. Yeah, I'll tell Burton that because he'll like, – cause because I have to laugh because I pick on Burton because I'm like, well, now, listen, you've been the old guy. Did you like it when – you know, and uh, – but I have to – That I tell you, that's the toughest part of – our jobs and Jeff and myself and Dale Jr. talk about that is we are friends with all of you guys because yeah. we kind of have to be in a very professional relationship. But in the end, my job is to call it just like I see it. And there's times you're not going to like what I have to say, but I kind of work for the fans, not you. Jeff's mm-hmm. had that same comment. Um, and I kind of bring that back to your win in my mind at Hendrick Motorsports is as big as any as I can remember. Um, it has been a, a trying time. Just explain to the fan, because I say it, no one believes me, a win is more value. Yeah, we all take amazing. it for granted, don't we? Like some of these guys make for it sure. look so easy. Yeah, they do. And I mean, you know, it's like I look at last year and and won three races, and that was great. And then I look over when you get to the next race, and and you're you know, they put you in the garage stalls by points or whatever. So you look over and yeah, and 18's got seven stickers, you know, mm. behind his name, you know, and over double right. uh, the amount of wins that we had. So always room for improvement, and ultimately you want to. Like, I want to put myself in that category. Like, I want to go and be a guy that can win every week. And I honestly feel like that I can do it. I feel like our team can do it. So that that's the that's where you want to get to. That's the goal. You know, championships and, and stuff aside, like, I want to be a guy that can show up and add a sticker to my car wherever we go. Well, and I think, like like we pick on the other opinions, that's an opinion, but an opinion I agree with. I think Allen is brilliant. I think you have a tremendous amount of talent. You could do it. We're going to finish on I crew chief for the most popular driver. You now seem to have taken that off his mantle since he's retired, and I was in the booth at Watkins Glen, which, by the way, some of the best driving I have seen. So many opportunities for mistakes, corner after corner after corner last year when you held off Truex. But more than that, I felt that crowd. Yeah. When you take the lead, I know you felt it at Talladega this last weekend, but when you take the lead, it is like no one else. Is that relief? Is it more pressure? Do you think about it? What what's it like to be in that position? Yeah. It it's on it's really not any more pressure. I think it's it's really just 
cool to me. Like, I just think that's awesome, that's you know, great. that that many people genuinely want to see you do well when that's the case. And the other thing I look at that, too, is it may not always be that way, right? I mean, who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things nothing's guaranteed. Th- no, nothing's guaranteed, and, and things change, right? So they might find somebody else they like here in a few years or, or whatever. So I think it's great, you know, and, and it doesn't make you necessarily go any faster that people want to see you do good or people want to see you do bad, right? They root against people every yeah, week. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother them, so – uh, I think same goes on the good end of it, but certainly fuels fuels you to want to do good for the people that are pulling for you. That's the case all the time. But um, you know, to see the fire after the race this weekend was certainly uh, you know just meant a lot. Uh, I mean, you, I can't really describe that. Like I said before, I've never really felt that much in tune and that much one with everyone watching, and it was uh, a special experience. Well, again, congratulations. The win at Talladega was spectacular. I appreciate your time. It's a cool location. For sure. Um, it's always fun to talk. Super talented on the racetrack. I think even more importantly, just a great guy away from the racetrack. I could see why all your partners like you, see why the fans like you. Uh, lucky to call you a friend. It's been a good time. Appreciate you coming out. This is another edition of Latart on Location. You can subscribe on iTunes, rate, and review, and let us know what you think. Awesome. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.